We're on the doorstep of another college football weekend, and all eyes are on Kansas State, which travels to Oklahoma State on Saturday. The Wildcats have had an additional week to prepare and are coming off a major victory at Mississippi State that's vaulted K-State into the polls. Kellis Robinette calls in from Manhattan. Also, KU, which played competitively against West Virginia last weekend, visits TCU. The Horn Frogs are out for revenge. Kansas defeated TCU for its only Big 12 victory last year. Jesse Newell breaks down the Jayhawks. Missouri beat writer Alex Schiffer reviews the Tigers' big victory over South Carolina last week. Mizzou is off this weekend. Later, a previous Kansas State-Oklahoma State game is a topic in our conversation with Chiefs wide receiver Byron Pringle. He came up with his first NFL reception last week, continuing Pringle's path as a professional. Two years ago, he starred for the Wildcats in a victory at Stillwater. We'll hear his memories from that game. All of this on the Friday, September 27th edition of Sports BKC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast, sponsored by Big O Tires. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. Kellis Robinette covers Kansas State for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. And Kellis, it occurs to me that we have not talked since you returned from Stark Vegas, Mississippi, where you watched the Wildcats defeat Mississippi State um, uh, in a game that uh, that I, I think the outcome, we, we thought it was possible, but I didn't pick it. And, uh, and Kansas State went down there and won, avenging last year's defeat and uh, it's only three games into the Chris Kleiman era at Kansas State, but that's a heck of a that was a heck of a win for Kansas State. Yeah, first signature win for Chris Kleiman, and really the first signature win Kansas State has had in a while. We talked about it uh, two weeks ago, but that you know major non-conference game they've scheduled for a while has not gone their way. They couldn't beat Stanford. They couldn't beat Vanderbilt. They weren't even in the same stadium as Mississippi State last year, so. Those losses really kind of took some wind out of their sails in past years, and now it adds a lot to it. They're ranked in every poll. I saw our friend down in Oklahoma, Barry Trammell, even has them in the top 10 right now. So some people are very impressed with what they're doing, and you couldn't really ask for a much better start. You know, what struck me about that game was the Wildcats didn't play a perfect brand of football. They made mistakes. That fumbled punt changed the momentum early in the game, and yet, you know, after when it was over, when when Kansas State walked off the field, uh, you know, a winner. I thought the better team won the game, even with the mistakes. I thought Kansas State was the better team. Obviously, the score indicated that Kansas State was the better team, but they didn't they didn't get pushed around like like what happened last year. And I just thought that uh, Chris Kleiman's game plan and approach uh, was was on point and 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 did the job. And, and it doesn't. Doesn't have to. Doesn't that open some eyes? Maybe you, you mentioned the, you know, the respect that Kansas State's getting nationally, but uh, maybe winning over some skeptics who who just weren't sure what what the Wildcats were going to be like in Kleiman's first year. Yeah, definitely. I think the pendulum maybe in some ways has actually swung a little bit too far the other way. I've seen Kansas State fans man that they're they're not ranked even higher than they are after a three and zero start. So some people now are really you know banging the drum for this being a, a true Big 12 title contender. I guess we'll find out if that's the case pretty quickly here with the game at Oklahoma State. But, yeah, you, there's really – I mean, obviously you can complain a little bit about what they did because they didn't play perfect against Mississippi State. There were uh, – for any of us who dealt with Bill Snyder and, and watched him over the years, there were a lot of things that would have driven him crazy and mistakes that really wouldn't have flown um, over the past decade. But 
you really got to hand it to to coach and the players for just being super positive and you know it's it's uh, kind of interesting to see their approach to those things in the past uh, one big mistake really kind of derailed the whole thing um, but now it's like hey you know what you were trying to make a play you made a mistake that's okay just make it up to me on the next series and that's what they went out there and did I I thought they were probably going to lose as the fourth quarter began but then very next play they get a hundred yard kickoff return make some defensive plays get a touchdown to take the lead uh they got stronger in the fourth quarter so props to them yeah i was going to say that the the fumbled punt uh, return that led to mississippi state's first score was offset by a kickoff return for a touchdown so uh you're right i think it's a good point that they didn't they didn't get down when they made mistakes they didn't play tight they still seemed loose they, they kind of stuck with the game plan and uh, and hats off to Kansas State. As you mentioned, the um, it doesn't get easier. Uh, we we talked about it a couple weeks ago. How you know you go from Mississippi State to an open week to a game at Oklahoma State, and even though the Cowboys are coming off a loss at Texas, they've been they, you know they've been solid this year. I, I didn't expect them to win at Texas, but uh, played them tough, and that was the the, the Cowboys' first loss this season. I I, uh, I know that you have written a story uh, that that was uh, that has appeared in both the, the Kansas City and Wichita at least on the websites I don't know the papers yet but uh, the last time that Kansas State went to Stillwater it was quite the game for quarterback Skylar Thompson and new Kansas City Chief wide receiver Byron Pringle what do you remember about the the, the last visit for the Wildcats at Stillwater well really those two things. Um... Kansas State entered the game, I believe, as a 21-point underdog, so nobody gave them much of a chance at all. But then they uh, they figured out some creative ways to fool Oklahoma State's defense. They sent Byron Pringle out on two post routes, and for whatever reason, uh, Oklahoma State's deep safety was completely convinced they were going short and came up, so he was completely open for some easy touchdowns, and then they had a really nicely designed play where Pringle ran underneath another receiver and came wide open for another touchdown. So, I mean, they they really had Oklahoma State on their heels, and Kansas State ended up only winning 45-40, but they really had to uh, kind of let Oklahoma State back in the game in the fourth quarter for that score to be that way. They were up, you know, uh, I want to say by like 21 or 24 at times in that game. So you don't see a whole – you don't see it very often that a team's a three-touchdown underdog and then goes on the road and wins handily – but that's what they did that time, and they actually followed that up and beat Oklahoma State here last year when I don't think a lot of people gave them a chance in that game. So uh, I think that bodes well for this team going on the road to a place where they've won before against an opponent they've got a winning streak against. Um, I guess this year, though, everybody is giving them a chance in the game, and they're ranked, and you know it's kind of weird. They still are the underdog, but Kansas State probably has the, the target on their back in this game. So a lot of new dynamics to it for sure. You know, it seems with Oklahoma State to be typical of a Mike Gundy team. He has always preached balance, you know, and, and you look at their stats. They, they rush for 270 a game and they throw for 263. Well, and you add it up, that's a pretty healthy amount, 533, 534 total yards per game. I wasn't sure about Oklahoma State coming into the season because I wasn't sure about the quarterback, and it turns out that the freshman Spencer Sanders is is just tearing it up, really. I mean, he's completing 65% and seven touchdowns, three picks. And as always, they, they have playmakers at running back and wide receiver. I mean, they 
They just you pick the year for Oklahoma State, and and you'll find the thousand yard rusher, the thousand yard receiver, and the you know the all conference candidate quarterback. They seem to do that as well as any team since the you know since the old Cowboys of you know Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and Michael Irvin. So it seems to me that there's it's it's a it's a really good matchup for for the Wildcats. They win this game. Uh, they go down to Stillwater and win. Then maybe maybe time to recalibrate a little bit of how we thought this season might unfold for the Wildcats. Yeah, if, if they win this game, which um, you know obviously no guarantee, but if they win this, then all of a sudden you're really probably picking them to, to start six and zero and host Oklahoma undefeated when they come here for Game Seven because their next two are at home against Baylor and TCU. Those aren't gimmies either, but. I mean, if you can start out the year with wins at Mississippi State and at Oklahoma State, um, it's going to be hard to convince anybody they can't just win those next two games. So that would be a, a, I mean, obviously a dream start for the Wildcats if it happens. And you definitely have to recalibrate and start to wonder, well, maybe their ceiling is quite a bit higher than we thought. And that that's what's at stake here. I mean, if they win, that kind of thing is at, at stake. If they lose, uh, then maybe start to wonder about those next two and, the optimism falls down a little bit, but yeah, we've seen we've seen what Chris Kleiman can do against uh, you know some other teams outside of the conference, and now it's time to see what he can do against the Big Twelve. By the time this airs, Kellis, uh, Kansas State will have had its first basketball media day, and I, I'm just going to assume I haven't seen where where Kansas State has been uh, projected in the Big Twelve, but after a, you know a couple of years in the NCAA tournament. Uh, sharing the Big 12 championship last year with Texas Tech. I, um, I, I've got to think that uh, no matter what the losses are, uh, and, and, and they're, they're significant for K-State, but no matter what the losses are, uh, the program is to the point where the expectation is NCAA tournament every year. I agree totally, and I've, it, I've seen some projections that have them, you know, like the football team down at, eight or ninth in the conference this season. I think that's more of a nod to how strong the conference could be than a uh, any kind of disrespect toward Kansas State. But at the same time, you know, they've still got Kansas State making the NCAA tournament even with the low finish there. I personally think they're going to be higher up. I think as soon as Xavier Sneed said he was coming back for his senior year, this team went from, you know, a borderline NCAA tournament team to more of – more of a lock NCAA tournament team. And, you know, maybe it won't play out that way, but they've got Sneed offering some experience. They've got Cartier Jada coming back at guard, McCall Maywean down low at center. And then everybody just loves their new freshman, Dejuan Gordon. I personally think he could be the best player Bruce Weber has recruited at Kansas State. We'll see how long it takes him to reach that kind of potential or if he ever does. But I think it's there. I think he'll be a true impact freshman, maybe the first one we've seen since Marcus Foster. So I, I have high hopes for this team. Um, the schedule's maybe a little bit harder than it has been in the past, and dealing with that might not be so easy. But I, I, I'm i optimistic. Yeah, like you said, I, I think they've raised the bar, and I, I think they'll hit it again this year. Okay, so it's September, and they're off the bubble, according to Kellis. <laughs> <laughs> Kellis, it's great talking to you. We will catch up soon to talk football and basketball um, about the Wildcats, and appreciate you joining us. Yeah, sure thing, Blair. Let's hear from Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas. We're here with Jesse Newell, who covers the Kansas Jayhawks for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. He covered the uh, KU loss to West Virginia last week, 
And Jesse, KU football loss, not a big story. It's happened many times (laughs) in the last decade. I've been there many times, Blair. You've seen a lot of them. Yes. Uh, But this one uh, came maybe with a little little disappointment, a little sense of anticipation, you know, with uh, West, West Virginia coming to town. Looked like a before the season we thought maybe it was a winnable game, and then of course what Kansas did the previous week at Boston College. What was the what was the sense of uh, of the game in, in the aftermath? Yeah, I think two things can be happening at the same time here, Blair, because you can sort of gauge this season. We all know bottom line is people are going to look at the one lo- win loss record, so that's one thing. And so this was one of the most winnable games for Kansas, and the Jazz didn't win it. You know they lost twenty nine twenty four. They're at home against West Virginia, probably another team that's going to end up at the bottom of the Big Twelve. So there's a disappointment there. However, you know, you take a step further, you take a deeper look under the hood with this, and I think you look at it and say, this Kansas team is all of a sudden very competitive in these games and statistically is doing things that we haven't seen from them in a long time. So um, what I'm talking about with that is, you know, I've cited this quite a bit on social media, but KU has 7.4 yards per play and allowed 4.6 yards per play to West Virginia. I looked it up. In 2019, those teams that have had that happen in a game Gained more than seven yards per play, allow or gave up the opponent, or the opponent had less than five yards per play. They've gone seventy-three and two. So KU basically played well enough to win, did statistically <laughs> things well enough to win. The only thing they forgot to do was win the football game. But uh, once again, I mean, for Kansas, you have a team that you know there wasn't a bunch of timeouts wasted. Guys were in uh, position to make plays. They were playing hard. The formations were right. You know, they looked organized out there. They looked disciplined. And I think all these are sort of adjectives for the team that KU fans have been looking for for a long, long time, no matter the coach, no matter the players, no matter, you know, sort of who's been charged as as the athletic director. And so, yes, I think there are a lot of positive signs from this game, even if um, for the players, for the coaches, for everyone in that program, it's very hard to swallow because, man, you're so close to three and one. You're so close to having a Big 12 win. You're so close to getting over some of these hurdles that have kept the program back for so long. It looks like Carter Stanley is the guy. I mean, he's he started his fourth game uh, by in previous years. By now, Kansas has been on its second quarterback, yeah. but Carter Stanley appears to be less Miles guy. Yeah, it sure seems that way, and he stuck with him. And obviously, uh, he had three interceptions, I think, in his first. 50 passes thrown this year and uh, if we believe the miles to go documentary video from ESPN plus Les Kenning radioed down to Les Miles during that game after the first interception and said I'm going to give him one more series now maybe that's a little bit of Hollywood maybe they splice some things together we don't know about but maybe there was a, a moment where it was close for Carter Stanley to be benched but right after that and he was amazing against Boston College in their 48 uh, to 24 victory and then last week was good. I mean, too many mistakes still. That's really what held Kansas back when I talk about, hey, you gained seven yards per play and you gave up less than five. How do you lose that game? Well, one way is turnovers. We know that they swing games. Carter Stanley had a fumble and he also had an interception, both very costly. So um, sometimes he can be a gambler. Sometimes uh, those are plays where if you're KU, you're hoping that they don't happen because uh, they obviously have such a negative impact. And right now the defense is not taking the ball away. But all in all, I think they have to like what they see from Carter Stanley. And when they seem to open up the offense and allow him more decision making, it seems like he's really been effective. And that's been the last two games and especially the second half against West Virginia. I think KU averaged about nine yards per play in the second half. So if KU can keep that up, there it seems like Carter Stanley can take them to some good places. You know, I looked at the attendance and wasn't overwhelming by any stretch. But after talking to you and some others who were at the game, the students showed up, which is different. Yeah, it, it was a really good attendance, to be honest with you. And you want to talk about signs of the program taking steps forward. Um, this is the third straight home game this year that they had a higher attendance. I think it was like 35,800. But you talk about the students, you know, 
all the way, almost all the way up to, to the top. That's a very that's amazing. It's a very rare. Have, I haven't seen that in a long, long time. Uh, in Lawrence, you know, hadn't happened since 2007, 2008, maybe 2009, that sort of range. And unless it's been a really, really big game, not only that, because they have the alcohol sales in stadium now, and they're not allowing people to leave at halftime. Those people are staying in the stadium, which is a big change uh, from a year ago and previous years where you'd come out. Even if Kansas is winning, they'd come out to a, a half-empty stadium, which was had to be. I mean, it has to be dejecting when you're coming out to that. And then not only that, I wrote about this in my game story, but uh, fans in the southwest corner of the stands gave KU's players a standing ovation as they went to the locker room, even after a loss. So again, you have you have fans that are engaged in the game. You have fans that are seeing progress. You have fans uh, that are seeing a competitive product and guys playing hard and being pleased enough with that to show their appreciation even after KU loses a football game. So I think, again, it, it's not a win, and, and it wasn't a win. And I know that KU's coaches and uh, players are very disappointed in that, but take a step back if you take a deep breath. Uh, this, to me, indicates that some of these games in the Big 12 we thought were not going to be competitive. They might be competitive. Kansas goes to TCU Saturday, and the Horn Frogs find themselves in the most unusual of positions. They get to avenge a defeat <laughs> <laughs> to Kansas. To yes. Kansas <laughs> last year, one of the only but a couple of conference wins for KU over the last several years. What can you tell us about TCU? Yeah, well, they seem to have some, you know, momentum is week to week, obviously, but uh, just lost at home to SMU last week in a game that was very disappointing for them. They had just snuck into the top 25 poll. And sort of speaking to the change in the program that I've talked about with Kansas, this is a game in years past. KU goes on the road to a Big 12 team that has been ranked in the season, and KU would be a 31-point underdog or a 35-point underdog. Or two years ago, I think they were a 37-point underdog to TCU at TCU. Right now, it's about 16-point underdog in Vegas. So again, talking about Kansas catching up a little bit to the back of the Big 12, it sure seems like that's possible. TCU seems to have some quarterback problems, has had issues throwing the football. Uh, Gary Patterson's going to have a good defense. You can expect that. And the major scary thing for Kansas is just the last instance of them going to Fort Worth, which honestly was the worst KU game I have ever covered. Um, KU had negative yardage going into the fourth quarter. KU finished with 21 total yards, which is the lowest total of any team since at least 2000 because the NCAA record books don't go past that, so we can't even figure out when it was. Uh, I mean, we're talking, uh, they, they ran the clock in the fourth quarter you know, to get the game over with quicker. I mean, this was like an all-time horrible Kansas football loss. So um, if they can get rid of those nightmares and those ghosts of the past and remember more last year what happened in Lawrence than... Again, KU, 16-point underdog, crazier things have happened. They have a chance in this one, and uh, like I said, in years past, I'm not sure that's something you would have said about a Kansas team going into a place like TCU, so that seems to me to be progress. All right, safe travels. Jesse Newell, thanks for stopping by. Hey, thanks, Blair. Hey, let's hear from Alex Schiffer, who covers Mizzou. He's calling from Columbia. Alex Schiffer covers the Missouri Tigers for the Star. He joins us now, and Alex, you saw a game in that the Tigers played last weekend against South Carolina that we were all sort of wondering about. Um, I know the Tigers were favored, but they had just not had any success in the series against the Gamecocks and odd things had happened when these teams have played. But when it was all said and done, um, Missouri's best moment of the season, best game, finest moment, I just thought Missouri, Missouri showed up and played that game and played it well. I would agree. I, I think going into the game, uh, and yourself included, I don't think anybody was expecting it to be a comfortable win for Missouri the way it was. I think we were all expecting it to be a four-quarter game, something going to happen with the last two minutes or so left in the game. I, I, I agree. I think it was one of Barry Odom's best wins. It's a huge monkey off his back of being able to beat South Carolina. And this team seems legit now. It, 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 as we talked earlier in the week on the last pod, 
I don't think it fully takes away the Wyoming loss, but it definitely light, lightens the sting of it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you're right. The the um, we looked at Missouri's schedule before the season and saw the opportunity for a you know a, a great start, probably a national ranking, assuming the Tigers were going to start outside the top 25, which they did. And then the Wyoming loss just just tarnished that and, and left such a bad feeling that I, I thought that the Tigers needed to find a way to make up for 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 that outcome. I'm not saying they've done that yet, because uh, I, I, I did expect them, when, when I was looking at Missouri's schedule in the preseason, I saw South Carolina as a maybe a coin flip type of game, a jump ball game. Well, Missouri won that game and won it convincingly, so I'm sort of back on the idea that Missouri can have a you know a special season, and and that was a hiccup. It was the exception, the the Wyoming loss. So tell me, how did it come together? What what did Missouri do well against the Gamecocks? Yeah, I thought the defense was very very good. I thought the biggest thing about the defense to handpick it was the safety play. You know, Josh Bledsoe and Tyree Gillespie were a mess against Wyoming. I mean, they they ran into other, some of their own players on some tackles. They over pursued, and I thought they were all over the field that they were extremely, they, they were a little bit of everywhere. I'd say, you know, there, there was a great sequence in the first half where Tyree Gillespie had a sack on a safety blitz. And then the following play, he had a pass breakup in the end zone that would have been a touchdown to Brian Edwards. And Missouri's not really known for a school having safeties. I, I think this is their best safety tandem since they had Willie Moore back in the day. So I, I think that that was probably the most impressive is that they their secondary was a huge reason why they won when they've been a liability in the past. And I thought the offense did just enough, even though they were kind of shaky in the first half, to get get its act together in the in the second half. And, and that Tyler Beatty touchdown, I thought, was huge. You know, any any win is is welcome, and any process to a victory, you know, is accepted. But I, I think it's important, just maybe for appearances' sake, that with a defensive-minded coach in Barry Odom, that that side of the ball perform well, and it it was embarrassed. Frankly, it was embarrassed in the uh, in the Wyoming loss when the Cowboys had was it just just a shade under 300 rushing yards, uh, and and they're a team that that lets you know that they're running the ball. They they don't throw it much, and I, I did think that it was a bad moment for Barry Odom. So when when a when they win a big game that turns on defensive play, I I just think that that's a very good sign for Barry Odom in the program. I I agree completely. I think what the talk has been since that game is just that. Yeah, and I I think the dynamic with South Carolina is interesting because I think both going into that game, both Barry Odom and Will Muschamp were coaches that were hired because of their defensive prowess, and neither one of them have really done much on that side of the ball in their time there. And they, they've been successful and gone to bowl games, but not not really because of the defense. And I, we were all kind of saying in the press box, this is what we expected out of Barry when he got hired, a, a stout defense. You look at where they were on the national rankings, I think a lot of people thought that that would be the expectation at some point for him. And I agree. The, the fact that Barry Odom's defense, it, it reminded me a lot of 2015, Barry Odom's lone year as a defensive coordinator at Missouri where the offense was terrible and, and you were essentially needing the defense to force takeaways and do whatever they can to give the offense good field position if you wanted them to win. And again, I, th- I think this is a good offense. It just had a bad day against South Carolina. Kelly Bryant himself said he forced some stuff, but um, 
I think that the fact that the defense did so much to kind of bail out the offense was an encouraging sign because I, I don't think that's going to need to be a regular thing. I think the defense, uh, the offense is good enough on its own to win games, but the fact that the defense can give them this kind of backup is huge. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with the offense after, you know, there were just some turnovers and some botched plays in the Wyoming game, but they still hung up 500 yards and 31 points. It was the 37 that I that that was alarming, and the fact that they've just given up 21 points since then is such a good sign for for the Tigers. Okay, open week here. They they uh, the break in the schedule comes, and after that they they uh, uh, they wrap up the non-conference portion of the schedule with a game against Troy, and after that it's all SEC opponents. Um, should should we feel optimistic about uh, prospects for Missouri going forward? I, I think so. I mean, I, I think Troy, who I was a big fan of under Neil Brown, just with what he did there, was obviously now West Virginia. I think that you look at the rest of the schedule, I, I don't think Florida scares you as much as they used to. I thought Notre Dame looked vulnerable against Notre Dame. Georgia looked vulnerable against Notre Dame. Right. And, you know, Kentucky's been shaky, if not just down from last year. You know, I, I think that a 10-2 and two record is still, which is where I picked them at, still not out of the realm of possibility. I think that nine and three or uh, anything below that would be a disappointment. Now the way the schedule sets up, and of course we we we're all waiting to hear about the um, you know the NCAA decision uh, where the Missouri appeal of the NCAA de- decision that uh, that banned the Tigers from postseason play this year. Uh, we 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 haven't heard, and there's just no way of knowing when when we're going to get that information. Okay, Alex. Let's um, uh, let's switch it quickly. It, we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon, just before you're going over to Men's Basketball Media Day for the Tigers. I just want to get a quick, um, just a quick thought from you on on what you think this Tigers season is going to be about. I don't think that they are being highly regarded in in preseason prognostications that I've seen. You know, bottom half of the SEC. And but uh, what what do you think about what do you think about these Tigers? I there's some pieces here that I really like. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting deal. You know, I saw in another story that Conzo Martin said if Missouri's healthy, they can go to the NCAA tournament. And this, barring any last minute incidents should be the first year in which Conzo Martin has his best players healthy. Obviously, the Porter Bros have been injured his first two years here, and I think that that's an interesting thing for him to say because that's something he's saying. That's not something we, the media, are saying, that if, if we're healthy, we're going dancing. So if, if they're healthy and they don't go dancing, that's going to be an interesting conversation at the end of the year. But I, uh, I think that they're a very interesting team that has a lot of interchangeable parts. You know, they have Guys that can play the four that maybe not have been there in years past in, in Trey Jackson, Kobe Brown, two freshmen that they're very high on. I think that they're going to look a lot like Villanova where they have a lot of different guys that can bring the ball up and play multiple positions and defend multiple positions. And uh, I think, as usual, the biggest X factor of this team is, is Jeremiah Tillman's foul trouble and as he figured it out. If he does, he might be gone at the end of the year to be a draft pick, but um, at least try his chances at a, as a pro prospect. But, you know, they're, they're very high on Drew Smith. Um, who had some interesting stats at Evansville. He shot 50% from three, averaged two steals a game and uh, 12 points per game. Very good defender from what I'm told. And uh, I, I had an NBA scout text me recently and say, you know, we're hearing a lot about Drew Smith. You know, what do you think of the hype on him? And I said, Missouri loves him. They think that he's the point guard Consul Martin didn't have the, the first two years at Missouri. 
and that he can really open up their offense and spread the ball and, and help solve their turnover problem. And the scout replied, you know, we're, we're hearing a lot of good things about a guy that didn't play a single high major opponent in his first two years at Evansville. So I, I'm curious to see what the Drew Smith hype train looks like, if, if it exists. And I'm curious to see, you know, they had a lot of freshmen last year that played a lot and looked good. Javon Pickett, Xavier Prince, and Torrance Watson, most notably. Right. All, you know, guard, th- all guards, right? All guards. And I, I think and Mark Smith, uh, as a sophomore in his first year, she was one of the nation's best three-point shooters before getting hurt. I think, um, I think a lot of people just assume when you return a lot of the guys that they all got better. And I, I think that that's a bit of a dangerous assumption. But they, they do bring back they, – they didn't lose a lot, and they do bring back a lot on a team that many people think is going to be very improved. So it, it'll be interesting to see. They're going to have a lot of early opportunities. I think their second game's at Xavier. They play Illinois, obviously, every year. They have Temple in the non-con. They'll, they'll have the chance to build a decent resume for the tournament going into SEC play. So I, I think that health is going to be the biggest thing, is that if, if all their guys are healthy and they play well, well and it, they don't make the tournament, I think it's an interesting conversation now with, with Conzo. Because, he, again, he's the one that's saying that. All right, yeah, and, of course, the schedule also includes a trip to Kansas City for the um, you know for the Hall of Fame Classic, where I think Butler is their uh, opening game opponent, and then they get Oklahoma or Stanford in the title game. And then SEC play starts, they open up with Kentucky at Kentucky in the, uh, in the conference opener. So, all right, Alex, great stuff. Great talking to you. And we will chat with you again soon. Sounds good, Blair. It's always a pleasure. We'll be back with Chiefs wide receiver Byron Pringle after this break. When it comes to saving big on tires, do the math at Big O Tires. Start by saving $100 instantly on sets of four Big O brand tires with paid installation purchase. Then receive an additional $50 by mail-in rebate on qualifying purchases using your Big O Tires credit card. Add it all up and you can save as much as $150. The tires you need, the savings you want. Only at Big O Tires, the team you trust. Hurry, sale ends October 13th. For the location nearest you, go to BigOtires.com. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. On Thursday, I caught up with Chiefs wide receiver Byron Pringle at the team's training facility. We covered several topics from his first NFL reception last week against the Baltimore Ravens to his big game for Kansas State against Oklahoma State two years ago. Take us through the play. You only had two offensive snaps in the game. One of them resulted in a reception to you. Okay. How did uh, what was the play and was it just a, uh, a check down or how did how did you end up with the ball? I, I guess Pat went through his progression through his reads and. Uh... I was one of his targets, and he hit me with the ball. Did you do anything special with the ball? Did you talk to anybody after the game? No, I didn't do anything special with it. How did it feel, though? I mean, It felt felt great. Actually, a dream come true, a stat that that, that counts towards your career. And uh, 
I don't know. I just, I really wasn't surprised, like, like happy about it. Like, yeah. It's uh, just, it's I, the game. You knew it was going to come at some point, yeah. right? Um, but it, it took a little while for it to happen. Um, I, I want to go back to, uh, let's just go back even to when, when you decided to come out uh, from college. You have this great preseason, and you're having a great game in that fourth preseason game. And I looked at the replay the other day, and I don't know if it was contact or, but when you came up with the hamstring injury, that had to just be devastating to you. Yeah, it was. It was just uh, a thing that you have to uh, overcome and keep working. You know where you want to be. You know where you want to go. So when minor stuff like that happened, you got to keep your head up and keep a smile on your face and keep doing everything they, uh, the organization tell you to do, the trainers, the coaches, and uh, just being a great teammate like throughout the process of you being on IR. And for you, that started, the, I imagine, the night, maybe the night of or the day after that injury. Yes, sir. Um, what, what did the team tell you about what they wanted to do and how they wanted you to be, still be part of things? They had just told me uh, I had to come in for treatment, and uh, I ended up finding out that I had to have surgery on my hernia, and uh, that it was placing me on IR. So I didn't really know too much about the IR process. And uh, once I had found out, uh, I was able to uh, able to attend meetings. So that was a plus side uh, to help me become a player who I am today. Okay. When did when were you back at 100%? Was uh, it OTAs or – no. Nah, Take a little longer. I was back like 100% late December. Okay. Early January. So you were ready to go into OTAs with, yeah. uh, you know, with, with every intention of uh, you yes, know, being here. Um, so tr- this year's training camp comes and goes, and you have another good one. But there's a little bit of it's, – it's funny how it kind of worked out. You get waived, and then you get re-signed to the you know, practice squad, and, and then you're w- – w- were there some days of confusion there uh, with, with what was going on with you and the roster? Uh, no, I just I just kept a smile on my face. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I just attacked every day, like like a normal day that I do. Put right. a smile on my face and just think positive. Okay, you know, used to getting down or anything because you know how the process work playing this game. So ain't no used to getting mad or anything. You know, you put your all into it. So, where does this come from? The positive attitude. Just being like overcome some of the adversity I had to overcome, like growing up and uh. Being in trouble. Yeah, you and, had some. Uh, I know you had some troubles when you were in high school and yeah, in, in I just, Florida. Just kept positive, and I knew what I wanted to be in life. So I just always just kept a positive mindset. Did the idea of playing football um, and, and trying to have a career in football help get you on that track when when you were going through troubles? No, nah, once I had done got out of trouble, uh, I just. Sign up for school to be. Uh, I told myself I'm gonna get a college degree and be and play ball. That path took you to Butler County first, mm-hmm. and, and then to Kansas State. The Wildcats are playing Oklahoma State this weekend. Mm-hmm. I imagine that opponent has some good memories for you. Yeah, they, they probably do. <laughs> well, tell me about that game that uh, that you played against the Cowboys a couple years ago. It was one of my best college uh, career games. Uh, we knew we we knew going into that game. Somebody was gonna have a breakout game, and I didn't know if it was gonna be me or not. But I know we knew it was gonna be a receiver, and it so happened to be me. And uh, I just took advantage of the opportunity when the ball came my way. 
I think there was a wasn't there a return also in that game for you? Yes, sir. Yeah, um, ended up four touchdowns. I think you were a Big Twelve Player of the Week that that week as well. Yes, sir. Did that game have anything to do with your decision to you know to, to try the pro path mm. next year? Or had you no, already? I was already thinking that if I if I make it, I make it. If I didn't, I didn't. Okay. I graduated. and I got two kids. I had to go and raise. So right. I want to finish stay in Kansas. Okay, but you didn't get drafted. Um, signed as an undrafted free agent. Was there a little bit of uh, you know? Now I got to go out and prove myself. No, I I just knew, I just knew it, it was gonna come down to that. I wasn't thinking like, I'm gonna be a high draft pick or drafted anyways because of my background. Okay, and how about the fact that this is where you ended up um, uh, with this kind of this offensive-minded organization with a quarterback who is at the top of his game? Is is this as good a place as you could have ended up? Yeah, this is the best place I could have ended up. <laughs> Yeah, people that are uh, is working like they 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 didn't come here to like socialize and say oh I'm in the NFL. They come to work every day with a positive mindset. Even the guys around come with a positive mindset. They attack work every day and beat the opponent uh, every weekend. What's it like being in this offense? It's a great it's a great um, opportunity, a great place to be because you have Coach um, Reed, Coach Eb. And uh, yeah, my position coach, uh, Greg Lewis, uh, they all installing plays to get get the playmakers to double the ball yeah. and put up uh, the light up the scoreboard. And I imagine just about every team you've ever been on, you've been the fastest guy on the team. It's uh, it's tough to be that guy here, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's, it is tough. We got uh, a lot of fast guys on our team, yeah. especially in our room, receiver room. <laughs> it's fun to watch. All right, Byron, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Links to the stories we discuss can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Thanks to the hardworking Kathy Lou and Leah Becerra for putting together today's and every day's show. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review Sportsbeat KC. It helps, and we'd like to give a shout-out to Eddie Shakes and KC Chiefs 4 for their recent positive reviews. Sportsbeat KC will return next week. We'll be wrapping up the Chiefs-Lions game We'll have much more throughout the week talking sports in Kansas City. you start with a word that doesn't exist, yeah. that would, that, that's the best one. Yeah.